Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We've got an interview for you guys today that uh, I am almost as excited about as I was with Bernie Sanders, and I'm not kidding. Uh, so uh, this is Arian Foster. He's the NFL's rushing leader two years for two years. He was the uh, rushing leader one year and touchdown leader two years, four-time Pro Bowl candidate. Uh, been on my fantasy football team year after year, uh, but that's not. I mean, look, I love football and I love what he did on the football field, but that's not uh, uh, why I'm excited. I'm excited because he's a free thinker and he's an amazing guy that challenged the conventional wisdom in the NFL and in the country. So, Arian, uh, welcome to the Young Turks. I appreciate you having me on, man. You once said there's no ego in science, which I love. Um, uh, a reporter described you as saying, where some might see the hand of God, Foster sees physics and engineering. <laughs> I can't love that any more than I already do. Uh, and then when you retired, you said, the game has been everything to me, my therapy, my joy, my solace, and my enemy. Well, it's, it right. says in your bio that you're a poet, and I now believe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Let alone the Arian Foster Family Foundations, we'll get into all that. So. Let's let's start from the beginning. I want to know this, and I want the audience to know the story of Arian Foster. So you grew up in New Mexico. Um, you're born into a Muslim family. Is that right? That's correct. And how long uh, did you believe? Because your your father was pretty religious, right? He, o, o, open-minded, independent thinker, but a religious man. Uh, yeah, and I, I was still out. You know, the, the, a lot of terminologies uh, changed throughout the uh, throughout our era, man. Um, as the information age is, is is booming, but like I would say, he's like more of a spiritual, what somebody would call a spiritual human being who who isn't like a um, uh, I want to say avid, diehard Muslim, but he does still believe in a lot of the core tenets. Yeah, so I mean, you went through a lot of what I went through. Um, I was born in a Muslim family, and then I decided I don't believe in religion, uh, just like you did. And I played football. You played football. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know, we'll hold that against you. <laughs> now, now, but in all seriousness, it, it's I had the same feeling of ostracization uh, as as I think you did sometimes from your team. Uh, for a lot of similar reasons, so that's what I want to get into in a sec. So, but when did you decide? You know what? Religion is not for me. I know everybody thinks it's great, and America is all about religion, and my dad likes it, and all that. But I, I just don't believe. When did you make that decision, and why? Right. So, uh, growing up, I think um, being brought, born into a, a religious family, you you tend to hold a lot of beliefs that your parents do. That's what. 
you know, most of us are are, are privy to. It's what we, it's all we know. Your parents are your heroes, and so you do it. You do as they do. Um, and <clears throat> for a long time, uh, I did I did with it. I prayed five times a day. Prayed to the east. And uh, when I was little, I remember uh, making little deals and packs with God that, you know, if, if, if I do this, you know, can I, can I have this? If I do, you know, just like any little kid would. Um, but as I grew older and, and you start facing real world problems, and real world challenges, uh, you start asking uh, inquisitive questions to, to this supreme being. Um, and without a lot of response, and I know the the rhetoric is you know God works in mysterious ways and you're not listening hard enough or you're not search, searching with your full heart. Um, yeah, well I was. I, I really started to because there were things that I, I that I saw you know growing up in not the best of circumstances. You know, I would call it first world poverty. Um, uh, uh, seeing a lot of the things that I saw growing up, you just start to question the nature of of the reality that you live in and and if the creator of the nature of, of reality. Is is responsible, or at least giving you guidelines of how to how to navigate the situation. Uh, you know, you want to you want to dig into that, and so I did. And the more and more I questioned, uh, the more and more I I, I I researched, the less and less sense it started to make sense to me that there was uh, a creator. Um, and I, I guess around the age of you know like late teens, so eighteen, nineteen, and then you know my twenties is when I started, you know going ahead and saying, I'm not sure about this anymore. Um, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would still somewhat pray every now and then. And then when I got into my early 20s, it just, it, it left completely. And um, I began to 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 find, uh, or search for truth in other ways and just trying to find, make, trying to, trying to find a way to make sense of this reality. Um, and, th- and that brought me to a lot of uh, the reason and logic that I uh, used to go about daily life today. So, Another similarity and why I empathize with your plight so much, but obviously you had it on a much larger scale, is that I played football for a coach that earnestly believed in praying very much. I grew up in New Jersey, not in the Bible Belt or anything, but he actually wound up making national headlines later because he refused to follow court guidelines on not forcing people to pray. And the rest is, you know, I didn't, I didn't believe in Christianity back then, and I left religion altogether at the age of 22, around the similar time as you. But they could tell that I didn't really believe. <laughs> they could tell that I didn't quite fit in. And you were a philosophy major, and you know, my, I was a middle linebacker. And this is not to say I, my SAT scores were great, and I was, but to give you a sense of the rest of the football team, the two outside linebackers were twins. And their combined SAT score was lower than mine. So again, it's not to brag. It's just it's just a different context, and I didn't feel like I fit in, and they felt like I didn't fit in. But you had it way worse. You're in the Bible Belt. You played for University of Tennessee, and you're having debates with fundamentalists about the Bible. How'd that go for you? Uh, it was interesting to say the least, man. You know, I, um, I grew like I said, I, like like you said, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then. Uh, Part of my high school years in San Diego, California. So I have a very uh, uh, liberal background, and going to uh, the Bible Belt in Tennessee for college was a, it was a culture shock to me, and I'm sure I was a culture shock to them. Uh, one of my good friends, actually, uh, to this day, uh, you know, he's a Christian guy. Um, when we first met, uh, he had never met anybody that didn't believe in Jesus. And uh, the first time we met, uh, you know, religion, you know, it, it came up. 
you know, because when you're a freshman, guys from different uh, walks of life all get together and they all discuss different different things that they've experienced. And religion happened to be one of them. And the, one of the first things he said to me, uh, where they, we started talking about religion and I was like, nah, I don't, I don't believe that. And uh, he's like, you don't believe in Jesus? And I was like, nah, I don't. And he goes, uh, you know, you're going to hell, right? And I was like, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I have a whole bunch of those funny stories, man. But as you, um, in college, I was, I was way more uh, inclined to debate people. I was way more inclined to take on people and really try to um, mess with their beliefs. Uh, and now, now, so not, not really. Um, and, you know, here and there on Twitter, I, you know, I like to poke fun, but uh, for the most part, if it's, it's more for diplomatic and civil conversation. Yeah, and so I didn't know, and I found out reading the background of what happened with you that so going to church was mandatory at University of Tennessee if you were on the football team. Uh, then it was. I'm not sure how they do things now, but it was it was it was part of like a team bonding uh, thing that they tried to to push on us, and I was uh, I didn't I didn't want to go, uh, especially the church that they took us to was. That was exotic to say the least, man. They had a, <laughs> they had a, they had a song called um, they had a, the dude dressed up like Elvis, and he had and he was singing a song called "Leaving Las Vegas." It was the funniest thing I had ever experienced. But uh, it was just I, I I didn't feel comfortable. I, I don't know. It's part of of the football culture. Uh, Christianity is, and you know, every team I've ever been on, they say the Our Father before every game. There's a prayer service. They're a little more liberal in the NFL. In the NFL, it's more so, you know, they understand guys are grown men with families and not everybody believes the same thing. But um, uh, it's just a part of it's embedded in the culture of football. Yeah, and so you you were the second uh, leading rusher in University of Tennessee history. And that is not an insignificant accomplishment given uh, the football uh, history of Tennessee. So, but you did not get drafted. Um, now, yes, you had some injury issues, and et cetera, but do you think, obviously it was a mistake because you wound up being the leading rusher in the <laughs> NFL. But do you think that that background had anything to do with you not being drafted? I don't think it had anything specifically to do with you know, my belief system. I think uh, as far as um, theology is concerned, uh, I think maybe the way I approach um, the what the, the the system that is football that may have a little bit ha- had to do with why I wasn't drafted because you know a lot of the times when you're when you're questioning authority and you're um uh you you kind of you push the boundaries of what you should and shouldn't do uh that that can be viewed as disruptive and 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 uh not not a part of a cohesive unit and so uh, that that probably had something more to do with it, not necessarily the theology of it. That and I didn't have a very good senior year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, both are factors. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and but you look, not a good senior year, but given what you had done already in college, and NFL is not like the NBA. It is a deep, deep draft. Right. So it, it definitely had to, do, I think, based on what I saw from the outside, had to do with well this. He's not a team player because he doesn't want to go to church. I mean, that I think that really, it at least had a, a decent size chunk in it, it, which leads us to contemporary issues. So Colin Kaepernick, uh, obviously uh, taking a knee uh, during the national anthem has caused uh, huge um, problems for him in the NFL. Uh, first, let me start by asking your thoughts on that. 
Uh, well, it's a, it's a it's a heavy social issue in this country that that I think the uh, the conversation needed to be had and needs to continue to be had. Uh, I was one of the players that that uh, kneeled in solidarity with him um, for the simple fact that I felt that uh, the the his why of why he was protesting was 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 solid. Um, and we can get into the semantics of that if you want to, but uh, I, I feel like. Uh, Colin uh, took a huge risk with his with his career, with his uh, identity, and uh, he stood up for something that he believed in. So to me, that's an admirable uh, reason. So let, now let's get into specifics a little bit more. Um, do you think that the the NFL owners, either formally or informally, have blackballed him because of that? Uh, it's hard to say. Anything that I say would be completely. Opinionated because I don't know any NFL owners personally. Uh, I know when I took a knee, when I was with the uh, Miami Dolphins organization. I took a knee, and uh, that owner, Mr. Ross, he he came up and he uh, expressed his um, his gratitude for for what I was doing, uh, kneeling with Colin, and so he was on the side of of uh, of the protest. Um, now, as far as all the other um, Owners, I can't speak for them. I don't. I don't know, but I do know that um, a lot of a lot of the owners want to make America great again, and a lot of them <laughs> want to. Um, uh, they don't like outspoken athletes, especially with politics. Um, they think, like the majority of America thinks, the athletes should just shut up and play, and so. It, there, there could be, and there could not be. I don't know, but I, I, I don't. It's 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 just hard to say. It's all it's all speculation, and unless we have some hard facts, I have no idea. Okay, so but you know you were in the NFL for eight seasons, and you led the league in rushing, so you know a thing or two about football. So let's. I'm just going to ask a football question here. Should Colin Kaepernick be in the NFL based on his skills, experience, athleticism, and what he's accomplished so far? Uh, my personal opinion is yes. There's there's no reason why he shouldn't have, at the very least, a backup job. He's I think he's one of the better 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, but like I said, there's so many variables that go into it. Uh, so there, there's no telling. I, I would I would venture to say that, um, you know, you hear coaches all the time talk about distractions. Don't be a distraction. Don't be a distraction. Um, this would be uh, what they would call a distract. I always thought the distra- the distraction thing was was BS because uh, if you just turn off the TV, there's no such thing as a distraction. Turn off the news, get off the internet, there's no distractions. Uh, but they don't they don't like negative press towards their organization or what they like to call the shield. That is the NFL. Yeah, I think the idea of distraction is total nonsense. It Are is. you a prof- professional? Can you go out there and do your job, or can't you do your mm-hmm. job? What do you? I mean, I can't imagine like an engineer coming out and going, "Well, but I was distracted by it because my fellow engineer believes something slightly different." <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> right? totally nice. Yeah, and you know, to me, it's fairly obvious. Is Colin Kaepernick among the ninety-six top quarterbacks in the league? Because they the quarterbacks go three deep at least on each team. Of course, of course, yeah. he's among the top ninety-six <laughs> quarterbacks. That's it is an insane yeah. conversation we're having. So, yeah. so now let's go to the heart of the protests for one more line of questioning there, which is why it was being done in the first place. 
So, you know, it's it's ironic because you've got the NFL that's all American and I love the NFL and I love football and but another thing I love about America is freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And so now the NFL is not the government, but if you love America, you should probably encourage freedom of speech that is part of our core principles. And and on this issue, so why was he speaking out? He was speaking out because there's far too much police violence against African Americans, and disproportionately so. And that's a fact, proven borne out by statistics. So we're this upset as a country for someone pointing out statistics and facts. I have a motto, actually, man, that I kind of live by, and it's that people don't like facts because a lot of the time. Uh, we get into uh, what the kind of the term going around now is like identity politics, where you'd rather be right than uh, accurate, and you, you really have to check yourself. And so that's why I, I follow far right wing news, and I follow far left wing news, and I follow bipartisan news, and I, and I try to get this story completely before I, ha- I before I make an informed decision. I get informed, and that's that's the problem with today is people just want to be right. People just want to identify with the side, and and it's, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous time. It's a beautiful time we live in because there's so much information for you to go get. But if you're not if you're not careful on on um, having like a checks and balances within yourself, you'll you'll end up sabotaging yourself into believing something that might not coincide with reality. Okay, so that's really interesting. So of course I got to ask a follow up on that. So which shows do you watch? Um, Obviously, I watch you guys, um, uh, which I would consider left. Uh, And I watch guys like uh, your your buddy Ben Shapiro. I don't want to always mess his name with Shapiro. Yeah, it's Shapiro. Shapiro. Yeah. Uh, So I I watch him. Uh, I watch, you know, uh, Stephen Crowder. I watch, um, you know, John Oliver. I watch, um, you know, just a a multiple uh, guy. Because I feel like the internet is a better news source than. The actual TV. I don't even watch TV anymore. Um, I love. Uh, it. Yeah, because it's just it's it's news is um, it could be uh, very toxic, but uh, you you have to you have to have some kind of balance. Yeah, no, I love it, man. I love that you're not watching TV anymore, and I love that you're getting a range of opinions. Obviously, right. I don't agree with those guys, but God bless, man. That's <laughs> I mean, I hope that we're all in favor of freedom of speech. I don't know why they're not supporting Colin Kaepernick. Because I thought freedom of speech was their like number one issue, but all of a sudden, when it comes to police violence against African Americans, they're a little quiet about that. So I hope that they speak out and actually live their principles. But I like that you're getting that range of opinions. That's look, man, open-mindedness is to me the most important thing in the world. So that's great. Now let's talk about your politics a little bit because I read that you've supported the Green Party in the past and Ron Paul in the past. First of all, is that true? (laughs) That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. uh, you, you know, getting into politics is 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 a bit uh, it's a bit un, it's a little nerve wracking because you have people who went to school for this, right? And you have people who have studied this, studied what is politics for you know decades upon decades, and and you're kind of dipping your toe in the water, like what did I get myself into? Um, but I think it's important for for everybody to to not be scared to do that uh, because a lot of the times you see you'll see debates with with guys like you, uh, you know Sam Harris, uh, like whatever the case may be. You see guys that really um, are what I like to call like intellectual juggernauts and people like us who are kind of just on the fringe. And we we we're, we 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 live our own lives. Like I, I went to school for football, 
I didn't go to school for, for politics. I didn't go to school for religion. And so you do the best that you can with the information that's given to you. And people have passions for what they have passions for. My passion isn't politics, but I am a, a, what I like to call a thinker and I, like, I have an opinion. So I'm not scared to jump in the water um, per se, but I am. That's why, that's why I'm so bipartisan because uh, I, I, I'm humble enough to understand that I don't know everything. And so I'm, I'm really just at a, at, a, at a stage in my life where I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can and learn. Yeah, look, I uh, I saw that uh, you know all these topics get you in trouble, right? <laughs> the religion topic, the politics yeah. topic, etc. <laughs> and you said, look, you don't want to ruin endorsements. That's why people generally don't do it, but you did do mm-hmm. it. Uh, with a couple of years left in your career, you did come out uh, as non-religious. And and I, here's another quote I loved. What's an extra dollar compared to the freedom of being you? Which, right. I, which I thought was really, really powerful. Um, so again, I, I just think being open-minded is the most important part. Uh, but don't worry, we'll make you a diehard progressive soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, now let's go to another topic that's somewhat related to that. Uh, you, I think you've talked about uh, the benefits of smoking marijuana. Uh, and Absolutely. Yeah, and the league does not allow it. They want you to pop pills, <laughs> or right. at least popping pills is sanctioned, but marijuana isn't. What's your thoughts on right. that? Well, I think it's uh, another part of the NFL that will be addressed here soon. Um, there are multiple um, chemicals that they allow you to put in your body that uh, are, are far more harmful uh, than marijuana. Uh, and one of them sponsors the NFL and gives them millions of dollars, and it's alcohol. So, so alcohol is is on all the banners in the in the uh, in the stadiums. It's it's sold at every at every concession stand. Um, it causes more violence in the stands than uh, any kind of emotion you can muster up. But uh, we're banning players for 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 marijuana just for the simple fact that it's illegal. Just because you know it's still a um, uh, uh, category. What is it? What is it? The category one uh, yeah. drug. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's that 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 in itself uh, tells you uh, a lot, um, and that, that's a deeper conversation as well. But I feel like anytime you uh, you, you criminalize uh, kids for 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 things like that, um, while in, in one hand and in the other hand you're 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 advocating alcohol use, which is far more detrimental to any human being than, than marijuana is, uh, I think you have a problem on your hands. And uh, in your experience, did marijuana help you with uh, pain relief? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm not like what they would call like a heavy smoker. Like I'm not like a, I don't I don't do it every day, but um, definitely recreationally, I like, I love to use it. Like, like sit back and watch a movie or something like that. Um, but when I was playing in, in in the league, I would I would definitely um, use it in moderation because uh, the strain on your body as a as especially as a running back, you're in the trenches a lot, and um, painkillers after a while they you, you could just you could just feel them uh, weighing on your body. Um, especially when I, uh, I said this one time um, when I was on Joe Rogan podcast, I had a I had a back surgery in in Los Angeles and. Um, Percocet causes me to throw up, and I had a slip disc, and it causes me to gag. And so when I uh, when I was when I was taking them, I was I was gagging, and the doctor said if you if you do that too much, you can re-slip your disc. And so there was nothing that they gave me that wouldn't make me do that. So uh, I just I uh, I got some 
some some weed from a dispensary in LA and it it took a lot of the pain away and it eased the process of of, of healing again. Uh, that's a interesting story and, and I think quite telling. Uh, well, look, when we talk about health in the NFL, we do have to touch on one more topic, which is um, the CTE studies. And, no. uh, and the recent one came out where 110 out of 111 players uh, wound up having some sort of damage to their to their brain. Um, now, it was self-selected because they, those families sent those uh, bodies in after they'd passed away. And so... Uh, so it's not necessarily representative of all the NFL, but does that does that significantly worry you having played football for so long? Uh, no, I tend not to. Um, I tend not to worry about things too much, man. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and if it's not, it's not. So worrying kind of just wastes time, right? So all I can do now is is enjoy the freedoms that the craft of football gave me and my family, and. Um, Educate myself as much as I can on on all the interesting topics that I would I would love to delve into, and also make sure my kids don't play football. Um, that's all I can do right now. Uh, okay. So it it doesn't bother me. But what does bother me uh, is that like we still let uh, little kids have contact uh, head head to head contact like in little league or um, anything up to at least high school I think is uh, it's it's pointless you know in my opinion um, it's the, the the science is gonna is gonna continue to get more and more uh, clear on the subject but I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised if in 50 to 100 years there is no more NFL Wow. Uh, so, quick follow up on that. Then, so are you saying you won't let your kids play when they're younger? And and by the way, their heads are larger when they're younger, and it's actually could be even more damaging. So, yeah. I understand that concept. Or are you saying that you don't want your kids playing football at all because it's too dangerous? I I'm not gonna let them play up until high school, and I don't want them to play at all. Like, there's no point. Um, if I do end up having some kind of uh, CTE. Um, like that's the sacrifice that I made for my family. I mean, un- unbeknownst to me, because the science wasn't clear when I first started out on that journey when I was seven years old, um, and so I thought I was just following a childhood dream with you know a little little less risk than there is now. But there's just no reason for him to go play football. Like uh, if you if you want to follow in your dad's footsteps, um, follow in the latter half of my life than the than the former because it's just not it's not worth it. Um, the odds of you being as good as me are low. <laughs> <laughs> um, not not saying that in arrogance, just statistically, if you look at professional athletes and their kids, they're usually not as good. Um, it's just it's just a part of it. Um, when I was doing it, I was doing it with the motivation to. Uh, get my family out of the circumstances that we were in, and it was to um, uh, uh, provide for my children in the future, and that's exactly what I did. So uh, it's it's hard when he is going to private school, and it's hard for him to muster up that energy to go run hills when you're 15 years old. Yeah, and look, and I read that you you saved 80 percent of the money you made while in the NFL, and. And you, I love the way you say, I'm just gonna live off the interest. Right, right. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. And, yeah, yeah, and you're right. Sure. I mean, that's the American dream, right? To to provide for your family so they don't have to go through the pain that you did. Um, exactly. Yep. Yeah. All right, Arian Foster, now uh, nicknamed the American dream. 
<laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Young Turks. I hope we do it again. I hope to see you out here in LA when you're out here. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Great conversation. I appreciate you having me, man. Take care.